You're listening to the Elite Insights Podcast from the Victorian Institute of Sport. Each fortnight, our VIS experts put the spotlight on different aspects of high-performance sport in a way that we can all relate to and learn from. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Victorian Institute of Sport podcast, Elite Insights. I'm your host, Jess Whitby, and today we're going to be chatting about winter sports. We all know that the 2018 Winter Olympics are fast approaching. So to help me talk about winter sports, I'm joined by VIS physical prep coach, Will Morgan. How's it going, Will? Good, Jess. Thank you. Um, And we're going to be chatting about winter sports and what Will does here at VIS and working with winter athletes. So we might start off with what is your role as a physical prep coach at VIS? Um, So my role working with the winter sports um, is based around the strength and conditioning and physical preparation for um, for all the winter sport athletes. So range of sports within that of aerial skiing, snowboarding, Snowboard halfpipe, um, ski cross. Um, so there's a real range of different different athletes that we work with, and um, it in- includes working in the gym to um, increase performance and reduce injury risk, um, as well as increase their general fitness when they're not on the snow. Yeah, right. So how did you? Were you always based in winter sports or? So has that always been your passion or have you come through different kind of streams? Um, I, this is my first experience with winter sport. Um, I previously mainly worked with AFL football um, and I was also at the VIS many years ago um, and worked with um, summer Olympic sports then, so cycling and hockey and gymnastics mainly. Right, right. So um, I used to work with a wide range of athletes across a variety of different winter sports. What about other service providers? Who else do you work with at VIS? Um, yep, so there is um, you know, a multidisciplinary team working with the winter sport athletes. So I work with physios, um, coaches obviously, um, dietitians here at the VIS, um, and personal excellence staff as well. Yeah, right. I guess living in Australia, it's pretty warm compared to the rest of the world. There is not a lot of snow. Yeah. Uh, so training for winter sports must be pretty complicated. Yes, so obviously there's a lot of travel involved and yeah. that, that adds um, an extra element. So the athletes are away from home for big stretches. So there's challenges around that. Um, also access to snow. So if they're not on snow and improving their technical skills, then all of their training becomes with me physically um, doing physical preparation. So there's challenges around that, whereas most sports, um, you'll be doing your sport a lot, you know, on court or on the field or whatever it is, and then you supplement the training with, with strength and conditioning, whereas with, um, with winter sports, um, if they're off snow for months, then all of their training becomes um, strength and conditioning training. Right, and is that really, um, I guess... If you're not practicing your craft, is that quite a difficult thing for athletes to maintain? Yeah, so it, is, it, it becomes a challenge because you're not working on the technical skills all of the time. Um, but there is, on the flip side, I guess, you can really focus on your physical development during those times. Okay, so, so what kinds of things might you be doing with them off the, away from the snow in terms of physical prep? What might a physical prep session look like? 
Um, so there's a lot of work in the gym to get strong, um, to be able to cope with the forces involved. So aerial skiing, for example, for example, where you're landing from a height, the athletes need to be very strong to be able to cope with that. Um, there's a you know a high risk of of knee and ankle injuries and um, in that sport. So a lot of the preparation for them is about getting getting strong to cope with the landing, um, and then snowboarding and and mogul skiing for example as well strength is very important um, strength and power to be explosive um, in those disciplines as well as fitness to be able to um, um, I suppose push all the way down you know, down the course yeah right um, so what would a season look like I guess for a winter sport athlete if they're not necessarily competing on snow a lot of the time um, so all of the all of the winter sports, um, gen, the competition season is the northern hemisphere winter really. Um, so they'll start to compete generally around um, November December, um, somewhere around the world, and then um, that'll continue through till about March generally. This year or well, next year, the Olympics are in February in, in South Korea, so that's a big focus for this year. Um, once they um, finish in about March, they generally have a little bit of time off, um, and then we'll start with some um, some off-season training around April. So often the athletes will be in Australia for a, a short period of time in April and do some um, physical training, um, and then depending on the sport, they'll begin their off-season. For aerial skiing, that involves um, four or five months in America during their summer doing water ramp training. Um, some of the other other sports like snowboard cross and moguls spend a bit more time um, on snow in the Australian domestic season through our winter um, and so the snowboard cross athletes for example raced over the weekend in Mount Hotham um, and the mogul skiers are starting training camps in, in uh, um, up at Threadbow this week Okay, yeah, you mentioned so going and heading overseas is a big part of the sport, I guess. Um, and you were just over in Utah, I believe, with David Morris working on the aerial skiing over there and the water training. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yep, so the aerial skiing team um, head to Utah every year around June um, and stay through till about um, October. Um, and they spend the whole time there. Um, skiing on plastic in um, flipping into a swimming, swimming pool so um, obviously no snow over there it's summer um, it's beautiful weather 28 30 degrees every day um, and that jumping into the water allows them to get high repetitions to develop their aerial skills um, without the consequence of crashing on snow um, yeah, right. so it allows them to get much more repetition in and then they transfer those skills onto the snow later in the year in November. Yeah, right. So it's a lot safer, I guess, for them to be practicing and practicing yep. over there during that. So what were you doing while you were over in Utah with them? Um, so the whole time um, while they're on, you know, water ramping in America, they maintain their um, strength conditioning and physical training. So I was working with them on that. Dave, Dave did a six-week camp with me at the VOS in Melbourne before he went over to. Um, Utah and so we were continuing on those um, themes that we're working on during that camp so working on his strength um, 
explosiveness, landing stability, um, and also his general um, you know, upper body strength as well. So if he does crash on snow, he's able to um, get up and walk away rather than have a serious injury. Yeah, right. That really freaks me out when I watch aerial skiing with the most flips they do, and I'm like, just don't crash. <laughs> it's a very impressive sport. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's actually a video of you having a go on the ramps in Utah. Yes, there is. I, uh, I was roped in by Dave, actually, um, to try and go off the water ramp. I've never skied before, so <laughs> the whole skiing bit was um, a bit of a barrier for me, and, uh, but yeah. it makes for a very funny video. Yeah, I definitely, I guess it shows how much training and effort and time they put into perfecting their craft and not just skiing, yeah. but being able to go off those ramps and do all these flips as well. Yeah, so the, um, the junior development aerial team was over in Utah as well. So they spend, um, spend time over there. So a lot of them are, are gymnasts, um, so they have the aerial skills and then they learn how to ski and then spend time over years and years in Utah practicing um, to eventually hopefully get to the level that, that Dave's at. Yeah, and I guess it, as we're coming into an Olympic year, does their preparation change much heading into the I know you said that they go over to Utah every year mm -hmm. and they spend a couple of months there. Has it changed much being an upcoming Olympic year? Um, not really. Um, the, in aerials, the year is pretty much the same every year. Yeah, the, right. the competitions stay relatively stable. They go to Utah. Um, what may change is the tricks um, and the skills that they're working on and the particular um, strengths or weaknesses they're working on with their coaches. But yeah. the, um, the makeup of the year generally stays the same. Yeah, right. So how much are you working with their coaches to um, increase their strength or increase their abilities to be able to perform those higher tricks? Um, yeah, that, I suppose part of the process is um, working out how each athlete ticks. And so the coach is a valuable source of information for that. Um, so we work with the coach on, um, there may be a particular physical limitation that's preventing them from um, executing a skill or um, some, you know, something along those lines. And we, so I work with the coach to make sure that we're on the same page and have the, the right information to have the best program for the athlete. Yeah, right. Um, so I guess you've been working with quite a lot of the winter athletes here at BIS. Um, are most of them working towards Winter Olympics next year? Um, yes. So I've got, there's about 10 OWI athletes that I'm working with um, that are, you know, preparing for the Olympics. Um, uh, Belle Brockhoff is, is an example of someone who's got a, um, an interesting year in that she did an ACL injury in March at the World Championships. So yeah. she's um, specifically rehabbing the knee at the moment um, in preparation for the Olympics. Um, and the aerials are obviously preparing for the, uh, for the Olympics. And then there's the, the underpinning VIS development aerials group, which are not um, preparing for the Olympics, although, well, not this one, they're preparing for the, yeah, the future Olympics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, let's show a little bit about Belle. So she did her ACL back in March and you've been working with her to rehab. What's your role with the athletes when they become injured like that? How does it change? Um, I suppose the focus 
the focus shifts um, from general training and, and increasing performance to initially um, just focusing on the injury. So with Bell, um, it's a slow, graduated um, progression. Um, you know, when she first started with me post, you know, the couple of days after she had surgery, it's very low level um, rehabilitation. Um, up until the point now where we're um, about five months post um, and she's, you know, almost back to full strength and power and doing explosive training and, and we'll be looking to get back on snow in August. So it does change the schedule. Other than if she wasn't injured, she would have been doing the domestic um, on snow season. So that won't be the case and, and she'll, she'll get back on snow properly in October. Right, and that'll be up in Northern Hemisphere. Yeah, so that'll be in Europe. Yeah, nice. That's really interesting. Um, I guess that's just one of the challenges we are talking about before with winter sports, and Australia's not a country made for winter sports. We have great winter sport athletes. We are not physically a country that has a lot of snow. Um, so I guess as elite athletes, it's quite expensive for them to be travelling a lot. What are some of the other challenges that they might face? I know you mentioned being away from home a lot. Yeah. Um, but what else are some of the I guess, challenges of being involved in a sport that doesn't allow you to be practicing your craft all the time? Yeah, I think um, one of the unique challenges for the Australian athletes, I mean, all of the um, winter sport athletes around the world have to spend a lot of time away from home. Um, and in sport in general, that's not unusual. Yeah, um, yeah, of course. But but um, Australian athletes in, in winter sports have a unique challenge in that they do have less um, time on snow. So some of the um, Northern Hemisphere athletes can, can be on snow for much larger parts of the year. Um, and it just means they, from a technical development point of view, all of, the, um, all of that time has to be um, used really efficiently by Australian athletes. So it's important uh, that when they are on snow that they're really maximising their that time and their technical development. Yeah, and I guess that really emphasises your role in terms of um, maximising their time off snow as well and away from the snow and making sure that everything you're working on is working towards those goals, obviously. Yeah, so when when we do have time off snow in Australia, um, you know, it's really important that once they do get back on snow that they're in really good physical shape and that they can get the most out of their technical development. Um, you know, and, and not have to deal with fatigue or, or, or as much fatigue once they do get back on the snow. Yeah, and in terms of, uh, I guess we talked about what a season might look like, but in terms of how many times are they training with you, maybe in the on-season and in the off-season, what might that variation look like? Um, well, let's take um, Dave with Ariel as an example. So when he was in Melbourne with me um, for April, he would train twice a day, um, five days a week and then have the weekend off mm -hmm. um, and then when he's uh, in Utah the training looks very different he does two water ramping sessions which go for about an hour and a half each so he'll do a warm-up for half an hour to 40 minutes uh, and some um, injury prevention exercises um, then go up to the ramp um, water ramp which involves lots and lots of stair walking between, between jumps, um, have some lunch, um, go back up again to the water ramp, do another session and then generally go to the gym um, to do a session, a, a conditioning session or a, or a strength session, um, a leg strength session 
upper body strength session depending on the day of the week. So they're long days um, and and he just does that every day for the whole summer. That's intense. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's the life of an elite athlete. Yeah. And I know we were talking earlier about you've come from, I mean, you started off here and you've gone to AFL, so you've really been able to see both sides of that professional sport and elite mm. sport kind of perspective. What are the big differences between professional sport and elite sport, having worked in both of them? Yeah. Um, well, one of the particular differences between um, between winter sport and AFL, um, one of the big differences is the location that you're in. Obviously, yeah. AFL, you're in the same place, um, you know, the football club every day. Um, you sometimes go interstate to play, um, but generally um, you play in the same ground yeah. every week and train in the same place every week. So there's challenges around that um, that environment to keep to keep things interesting and fresh for the players and and you know it does become a bit of a grind in the season so um, that's one of the challenges there and and the time access that you have with AFL players is different so you're obviously very um, very well controlled environment you know you could um, you pretty much know what an AFL player is going to be doing in three months time at on a Wednesday at 10 o'clock in the morning because it's in the wow. program. Whereas with winter sport, they're moving around a lot more. Um, you have less face-to-face -face time with the athletes, so the athletes need to be a lot more autonomous with their training. Um, and they do have, um, I think, a different ability um, to manage their own training compared to AFL players where they're told what to do all the time. Um, so that's, that's one of the, the big differences. Yeah. I mean, I know it's also a lot colder with winter sports. The MCG yeah. might feel like the Antarctic sometimes, but <laughs> not, probably nowhere near as cold as on-season winter sport training. No, definitely not. Yeah. Um, I think that just about covers pretty much everything we were going to chat about today. Um, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been great to chat about winter sports. We'll surely touch base with you again before... John Chang in 2018. Um, you've been listening to the Victorian Institute of Sport uh, podcast Elite Insights. If you have any ideas for things you want to hear us talk about, shout out to us. Give us a hit up on our Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram. Let us know what you want to hear us talk about. Um, you can find all of our recent podcasts and any upcoming news on our website, vis.org.au. Um, that's all for today. We'll see you next time. <laughs>